0: Two Part One of the Show Off by George Kelly. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Second Act, Act Two Part One, Scene. Same as preceding act. Six months later, about five thirty on a Monday afternoon. Mrs. Fisher is sitting in the armchair below the buffet, over at the right, listening in on the radio. Suddenly, the front door closes with a bang, and she starts and looks in the direction of the hall door. Aubrey bounces into the room, very much done up, with the traditional carnation as usual, and comes forward, putting his hat down on the table.
1: Hello, Mother. Amy here.
0: He steps to the mirror at the back and gives himself a critical touch here and there. Mrs. Fisher, commencing to remove the listeners.
1: Our Amy? Yes. Have you seen anything of her?
0: Mrs. Fisher, rising. No, I haven't seen
1: anything of her.
0: She places the listeners on the buffet and signs off. Aubrey, turning from the glass.
1: Wonder where she is. Isn't she home, No, I just came by there.
0: Mrs. Fisher picking up her knitting bag from the buffet.
1: She hasn't been here today. She was saying this morning she thought she'd go out looking for a house today. I suppose she hasn't got back yet.
0: He gives the chair at the left of the center table a double tap with his cane as he crosses down to the window at the left.
1: I wanted to take her out to the automobile show tonight. I got the loan of Harry Albright's car.
0: Mrs. Fisher, moving to the chair at the right of the center table. Did you say she was out looking for a house? Aubrey, moving back towards her.
1: Yes, we've got to get out of the place we're in. The LePage printing people have bought the whole block. They're going to put up a new building there.
0: Mrs. Fisher is standing with her hand on the back of the chair. How soon do you have
1: to get out? Soon as we can find a place, I suppose. I understand they want to begin tearing down there about the first of the year. I'm afraid
2: you won't find it so easy to get a place as reasonable as that again in
0: a hurry.
1: She sits down. I don't want a place as reasonable as that if I can get something better.
0: He plants himself at the left of the table and looks away off with a dreamy narrowing of his eyes and balancing himself on his toes.
1: I want a home something with a bit of ground around it where i can do a bit of tennis in the evening
0: he makes a couple of leisurely passes at an imaginary tennis ball
1: if i feel like it
0: mrs fisher beginning to knit on a green sweater
1: well if you do you'll pay for it that's exactly what i expect to do mother fisher not giving you a short answer that is exactly what i expect to do He gives the table a double tap with the cane but i want what i'm paying for i'll tell you that no more the old first of the month business for this bambino he's all washed up and signed on the dotted line
0: he moves up to the mirror at the back
2: they're not putting up any more houses from what i can hear
1: be yourself now mother fisher be yourself well where are they You ought to go out along the boulevard some Sunday. See what they're doing out there.
2: Well, there's no danger of you going out along the boulevard, except for a walk.
1: Aubrey moving to the hall
0: door and glancing out into the hallway.
2: Lot of people out that way, Mother. Well, if there is, they're paying more than you're
1: able to pay. Man's got to live somewhere, Mother.
0: He swings forward to the window down at the left and stands whistling to the canary.
2: Well, if he's wise, he'll live where he's able to pay for it. Unless he wants to be breaking up half a dozen times a year, like a lot of them are doing. Making a big show, buying $10,000 houses and putting $50 down
0: on them. He turns to her.
2: Besides, you haven't got any furniture for a house, even if you got one, unless you want to be sitting on the floor.
1: The matter of furniture nowadays, little mother, is a very inconsequential item from what I can gather. You ought to price
2: it sometime when you're in the city and see how unconsequent it
1: is.
0: Aubrey settling himself for a golf shot, using his cane for
1: a club i've investigated the matter very thoroughly mrs fisher and i find that there are at least fifteen first-class establishments right here in this city that will furnish a man's house from garret to garden and give him the rest of his life to pay for it
0: he hits the imaginary golf ball and pretends to follow it straight out with his eyes
2: they'd need to give some of them the rest of their lives at the rate they're going now
1: Give the growing boy a chance, Mrs. Fisher. Give the growing boy a chance. You know what Mr. L.D. Brophy of the American Can Company said in the September number of the American Magazine, don't you? No, I don't. Well, I'll tell you.
0: Mrs. Fisher shifts her knitting, giving him a wearied glance.
1: He said... I would say to that innumerable host of young men, standing on the threshold of life, uncertain and mayhap dismayed, as they contemplate the stress of modern industrial competition, Rome was not built in a day. Those were his very words, I wouldn't kid you. And I think the old boy's got it right, if you ask me.
0: He moves up to the hall door and glances out.
2: What are you going out to the automobile show for?
0: Aubrey turning and coming forward again.
1: Repeat the question, Mrs. Fisher, if you please.
2: I say, what are you going out to the automobile show for?
0: Aubrey coming to a point above the center table.
1: Ah, married five months ago today, Mother. Got to celebrate the happy event. Besides, one never knows what a day will bring in the way of opportunity to satisfy a long-felt want and since she knocks but once he taps his cane on the
0: table causing mrs fisher to start slightly at each
1: man's door the kid here doesn't want to miss his chance by any uncertainty as to just what choo-choo he prefers
0: mrs fisher turns with an annoyed expression to find him pointing at her with his forefinger and thumb he laughs at her annoyance
1: well gotta run along now mother and see if amy's back at the house yet
0: he picks up his hat from the table and starts for the hall door
2: what'll i tell her if she comes here after you're gone
0: aubrey stopping at the door
1: why tell her i've got the loan to harry albright's car and i want her to see that new jordan six that i was telling her about out at the show and that I'll be at Child's at 15th and Chestnut until eight o'clock.
0: He looks at his ingersoll.
1: 15th and
2: Chestnut?
1: That's the said and done, Mother. <laughs> the old Café Infante. <laughs> all of oil, <all>, Mother.
0: <laughs> he goes out the hall door, breaking into another laugh, and in a second the front door closes with a bang causing Mrs. Fisher to start again and look irritatedly toward the hall door. Then she resumes her knitting. The parlor door opens and Amy drifts in and starts across towards the chair at the left of the table. Hello? Mrs. Fisher starts again. Ah,
2: you frightened me, Amy, walking in that way like a ghost. When did you come in?
3: Amy, sitting down with a wearied air. A couple of minutes ago. I've been in the parlor.
2: Why, your man just left here. Didn't you see him?
3: No, I heard him when I came in. I went in the parlor.
2: He's looking for you. He says he wants you to go to some kind of an automobile show with him.
3: I know. I don't want to go. I'm too tired. What's he doing about his supper? I told him this morning to get something in town. I knew I wouldn't be home till late. Mrs. Fisher resumes her knitting, and there's a slight pause.
2: He says you've got to get out of that place you're in.
3: Yes, they're going to tear those houses down. That's what I was doing today, looking around for some place. Did you see anything? I saw a couple of places that were fair, but they want too much money. I'm afraid that's what
2: you'll find, Amy, wherever you go. $38
3: a month for a little two-story house that didn't even have a front porch.
2: Well, you're surely not looking for a house, Amy, are you? Yes, if I can find one. And have you any idea what they're asking for houses
3: these days? Well, Aubrey says he will not live in rooms any longer.
2: What the devil does it matter what he says? He don't know what he's saying half the time anyway. It's you that has to stretch the money, and it'll only go so far. And the money that he gets won't cover any $40 rents. You can make up your mind to that right now before you go any further. And that's what you'll be asked to pay, Amy. Remember, I'm telling you.
3: He doesn't want to pay rent. He wants to buy.
2: What on, thirty-two dollars a week?
3: He says he can put it into a new building society that he heard about over in Frankfurt. Wouldn't he have to pay the building society? Well, he wouldn't have to pay it all at once.
2: There'd be more oncees than he'd be able to meet. I thought you had a little sense, but you're nearly as bad as him.
3: No, but you talk awfully silly, Mother. You'd think everybody that was married was living out in the street.
2: That's where a good many of them would be living, Amy, only that somebody belonging to them is giving them a hand. Money will only go so far, and I've been keeping house too long not to know just how far that is. Nobody can tell me
3: there was a girl down in our office that was married just before i was married and the fellow she married didn't even get as much money as aubrey gets he got about twenty-five a week he was a guard in the corn exchange bank and they bought a house out in kensington and they say it's beautiful she's
0: back at her job though isn't she
3: amy with reluctant admission she never left her job
2: well that's how she's doing it You told me yourself there were five girls in your office that have married within the last two years. Do you think they're hanging over books nine hours a day because they like it? And you haven't got any furniture even if you got a house. Oh, you can always get furniture. You can if you pay for it. And I don't know how you expect to do all these wonders later on When you find it so hard to make ends meet now, with only the rent of two rooms to pay for, you're everlasting borrowing from me as it is. I always pay you, don't I? You do when you get it, but that's not the point, Amy. It's that what you get one week don't last you till the next.
3: The reason I was short last week, Aubrey bought that new overcoat.
2: And next week, it'll be something else.
3: Well, a man can't be shabby, Mom, in a position like Aubrey's. He says he's got nearly 80 clerks down there in his department, and he says unless he sets some kind of example of personal appearance, he says there are some of them down there that had come in in overalls. Mrs. Fisher laying her knitting on the table and
0: looking keenly at Amy.
2: How is it, Amy, that a girl like you that was smart enough to keep books has so little sense when it comes to what some man tells you
0: amy looks at her mother steadily
3: who do you mean aubrey yes why what does he tell you that i have so little sense about that he has 80 clerks under him so he has and
2: gets 32 dollars a week he gets 3250
3: mrs fisher resumes her knitting shaking her head hopelessly well now mom you know yourself what the pennsylvania railroad pays its men
2: i don't know what anybody pays anybody
3: well the pennsylvania railroad is notorious aubrey says that only that a couple of things haven't panned out just right for him he'd have left them long ago he says they just try to break your spirit He says that's one of the main reasons why he pays so much attention to his clothes. He says he just wouldn't please them.
2: How much did he pay for that overcoat?
3: Twenty-eight dollars. Mrs. Fisher raises her eyes to heaven. Oh, he didn't have to pay it all at once. The man said on account of it being so near Christmas, he could let it go till the first of February.
2: I guess he'll be wanting a soup now, the first you know, to go with the overcoat.
3: No, his suit's all right. Yet a while. But this suit of mine is beginning to go. I've worn it till I'm tired of looking at it.
2: People can't get things so handy once they're married.
3: I thought I'd be able to put something away out of this week, toward a suit. But I don't know where the money went to. It just seemed to go. Honestly, I had exactly twelve cents in my purse when Aubrey gave me his pay.
2: I don't know what'll become of you, Amy, if you ever have a household of children to keep.
0: Amy sits looking at nothing, with a rather troubled expression about the eyes, and her mother continues to knit. Suddenly, Amy bursts into tears. Mrs. Fisher looks at her. Then she gets up quietly, laying her knitting on the table, and crosses in front of the table to her, and lays her hand on her arm.
2: Now, there's no use a-startin' that kind of thing now, Amy, for it won't do you a bit of good.
3: She continues across. I don't know what I'm going to do, Mom. I'm nearly crazy. Mrs. Fisher turning.
2: I'll tell you what you're going to do, Amy, if you're a wise woman. You're going to realize that you're married and that you've got some kind of a house to keep up. And just how much money you're going to get each week to keep it up on, and then suit your ideas accordin'. And if you don't, you'll have plenty of cryin' to do, and you'll have nobody to thank but yourself, for you had nothing but impudence for them that tried to tell you how many beans made five.
0: The front door is heard to close.
2: I guess this is your father. Go to the parlor there and don't let him see you crying.
0: Amy rises and steps quickly across and through the parlor doors at the left into the parlor, and Mrs. Fisher crosses above the center table to the buffet and puts her knitting into one of the drawers. Clara appears in the hall door. What's the matter? Mrs. Fisher turns and looks at her.
2: There's nothing at all the matter. What did Joe telephone me for? Our Joe, do you mean? Yes,
4: Bertha said he telephoned the house about four o'clock and told her to tell me to come right over home as soon as I came in.
2: Well, I'm sure I don't know what he'd want for you, Clara. He didn't leave any word with me for you this morning.
0: Clara, coming forward towards the center
4: table. I was overpaying my electric and just got back, so I came right over. I thought maybe something was wrong here and he was calling from next door.
2: No, he hasn't been home here
4: today.
0: Clara puzzles for a second, then tosses her purse onto the table. I wonder what he wanted me for. She turns to the mirror at the back and touches her hat. Is that girl at your house sure it was our Joe? Clara coming back to the table. She said it was, and I suppose she knows his voice. She's often answered the phone when he's called. She picks up a book from the table and glances casually at it.
2: Well, maybe he wants to see you about something i'd wait a while he'll be here at six
0: clara looking suddenly at her
4: mother maybe he's heard some news about that formula that those people are interested in
0: mrs fisher coming over to the table
2: oh i guess he'll be an old man before he ever hears anything from that
0: she folds and settles various things on the table and clara glances through the book then as she moves over to settle the upper left-hand corner of the table cover she gives Clara a little push.
2: Look out of my way, Clara, till I fix this cloth.
0: Clara just moves without looking up from the book.
2: That's a book Joe brought home last night, about that woman that was left up on the North Pole. He says it's very nice. I've got to put those potatoes on for your father's supper. He'll be here around six.
0: She moves to the door at the right. Clara is standing at the left of the table, still looking at the book. Did you know that Amy's
4: got to get out of those rooms she's in?
0: Mrs. Fisher from the kitchen.
2: Yes.
4: they are going to tear those houses down.
0: Mrs. Fisher coming back into the room. So she was telling me. Clara moving to the chair at the left of the table. What's she going to do? Tosses the book onto the table. Come in here to live? She sits down.
2: Now that's a sensible question for you to ask, Clara. You know how much she's coming in here to live.
0: Clara commencing to remove her gloves.
4: I don't know where else she'll go, with rents the way they are now,
2: unless she goes back to work. She'll have to look around.
4: What good will it do to look around? She certainly won't find anything as reasonable as where she is now. When she's not able to pay that, how does she expect to pay any more?
0: The parlor door is whipped open and Amy is standing between the curtains looking tight-lipped at Clara. How
3: do you know I'm not able to pay my rent where I am? Mrs. Fisher moving towards the hall door.
2: Now don't start a fight, Amy. Your pop will be in here any minute.
0: She looks out into the hallway. Amy
3: speaking to her mother and indicating Clara with a gesture. No, but I'd like to know what business it is of hers whether I can pay my rent or not. I don't see that anybody's asking her to pay it for me.
0: Clara, very sure of her ground.
4: It's been a bit late in the day to talk that way, Amy. Your husband's been to Frank Highland twice already to pay it for you.
0: Amy looks at her aghast, and Mrs. Fisher comes forward between them. It's time you quit this posing in front of me.
4: I know how you're fixed better than you do it yourself.
0: She turns sharply away and flings her gloves onto the table. Amy, almost crying... Now, do you
3: hear that, Mom?
2: Stop your talk, Amy. Do you want your father to walk in and hear you?
0: Amy, lowering her voice, but still speaking
3: with angry rapidity. She says that Aubrey Piper's been to Frank Highlands twice for the loan of our rent. So he He has. You're a liar.
0: Mrs. Fisher gives her a slap on the back, and there's a vibrant pause. Then Amy moves down towards the window at the left and bursts out crying. Mrs. Fisher with controlled excitement.
2: Will you stop when I speak to you?
0: There is a pause.
2: What kind of talk do you call that?
0: She steps to the hall door again and glances out into the
3: hallway. Amy whirling again upon Clara. Well, that's what she is. Aubrey Piper never asked Frank Highland for a cent in his life. He's asked him a dozen times and got it, too, till I put a stop to it.
0: Mrs. Fisher, coming forward again and speaking with authority.
2: Now, that'll do, Clara. I don't want to hear another word out of either one of you. I
3: had enough of that when the two of you were at home. Well, I'll make her prove what she says about Aubrey Piper just the same. It's very easily
4: proved. Just come over to the house some night and I'll show you a few of his letters.
3: What do you do?
4: open them i do now yes since i found out who they're from
0: mrs fisher keenly
2: do you mean to tell me clara that he's writing to frank highland for money
3: no he doesn't do anything of the kind mom that's another of her lies mrs fisher
0: before amy has finished speaking
2: i'm not talking to you amy
0: she just makes those things up i make them up yes
4: and i've got at least twelve letters right in my bureau drawer this minute that he's written within the last two months what does he write
2: letters for
4: for money so he can pay seven dollars for a seat out at the football game as he did thanksgiving afternoon frank saw him out there
2: why don't he just ask frank highland for the money when he sees him instead of writing to him
4: i suppose he thinks a written request is more appropriate coming from one of the heads of the pennsylvania railroad How much does he ask for when he asks him? There was one a couple of weeks ago for 300
0: Amy makes a sound of bitter amusement and turns away. Mrs. Fisher aghast.
2: $300? That's what the
0: letter said. Mrs. Fisher turns and looks at Amy.
2: What would he have wanted $300 for, Amy?
3: Oh, ask her, Mom. She's good at making things up. She sweeps towards the parlor doors.
0: Mrs. Fisher taking a step or two after her.
2: Oh, you wouldn't believe it, even if it was true, if it was against him.
0: Well, I wouldn't believe her anyway. Amy slams the parlor door with a bang. Mrs. Fisher raising her voice. You wouldn't believe your own mother. Never name your sister. She turns to Clara.
2: She flew at me like a wild cat when i told her he wore a wig i guess she knows it herself by this time she's for him mom and the sooner you get that
0: into your head the better mrs fisher moving towards the right above the table
2: i know very well she is you needn't tell me and she'd turn on every one belonging to her for him the idea of asking anybody for three hundred dollars
0: she continues towards the kitchen door fuming then turns
2: i suppose he wanted to buy an automobile or something that's where he is tonight out at the automobile show and not two cents in his pocket like a lot of others that'll be out there i guess and i'll bet he'll be doing more talk out there than them that'll buy a dozen cars
4: i think that's what he
2: did want the money for it wouldn't surprise me the damned fool
0: She steps to the mantelpiece and glances out into the hallway.
2: It'd be fitter for him to be thinking about getting a house to live in.
0: He doesn't think he needs
2: to think about that. He thinks he's coming in here.
0: Mrs. Fisher, turning sharply on her way back to the kitchen door.
2: Coming in here to live,
4: do you mean? That's what he told Frank the day before yesterday.
2: Well, he's very much mistaken if he does, I can tell you that. I'd like to be listening to that fellow seven days in the week. I'd rather go over and live with your Aunt Ellie in Newark.
0: Clara rising and picking up her gloves from the table. Well, that's about what you'll have to do, Mom, if you ever let them in on you. She stands, looking straight out, unfastening her neck piece.
2: I won't let them in on me, don't fret. Your father'd have something to say about that.
0: Clara slipping off her neck piece. Pop may not always be here. She turns around to her left and moves to a point above the table and puts her fur and gloves down.
2: Well, I'll be here if he isn't, and the furniture is mine, and there's very little danger of my walking off and leaving it to any
0: son-in-law. The front door closes.
2: I guess this is your pop now, and I haven't even got the kettle on.
0: She hurries out at the right. Clara glances at the hall door. And Joe appears in it and stands for the fraction of a second, irresolute. Where's Mom? Out in the kitchen. Why? Joe, motioning to her, causing the paper to drop from his hand.
5: Come here. Don't let her hear you.
0: Clara steps towards him with a shade of apprehension in her face and manner.
5: Listen, Clara. Pop had some kind of a stroke this afternoon at his work.
3: Pop did?
5: They found him laying in front of one of the boilers.
3: Oh my god.
5: I tried to get you on the phone about four o'clock.
4: I know, I came over right as soon
0: as I came in.
5: You better tell Mom.
0: He starts for the stairs, and Clara turns towards the kitchen door. Clara turning sharply back again. Joe. Joe stopping abruptly on the front step of the stairs. What? Where's Pop now?
5: They took him to the Samaritan Hospital. I just came from there. They telephoned me to the office.
4: Well, is he very bad?
5: I think he's done.
4: Oh, don't say that, Joe.
5: That's what the doctor at the hospital says. He hasn't regained consciousness since three o'clock. So you'd better tell Mom to get her things on and go right down there. I've got to change my clothes. I went right up there from work.
0: He starts up the stairs and Clara moves vaguely towards the kitchen door. She stops and stands, looking toward the kitchen in a controlled panic of indecision. Then, abruptly, she whirls round and steps quickly back to the hall door. Clara, in a subdued voice, Joe?
5: What?
4: That Samaritan Hospital's at Broad in Ontario, isn't it?
5: Yes.
0: She turns slowly and looks out, irresolute. Then she stoops down abstractedly, and picks up the newspaper that joe dropped the parlor door opens sharply and amy stands looking at her apprehensively their eyes meet what is it mrs fisher appears in the door at the right drying in a gateware plate
2: wasn't that your pop that came in clara
0: clara makes a deft silencing gesture with her left hand to amy and moves towards the center table
4: no it wasn't mom it was the boy with the
0: paper Mrs. Fisher, coming further into the room to see the clock. I wonder
2: what's keeping him. He's late tonight.
0: Clara leans against the center table, keeping her face averted from her mother.
2: He's nearly always here before this.
0: She moves back again towards the kitchen. Amy, crossing quickly down to Clara's left. What is it, Clara? Mrs. Fisher, turning and looking at Clara.
2: What's the
3: matter with her? Clara tries to control her feelings. I don't know what's the matter with her, Mom. Something Joe just told her. He's just gone upstairs. Mrs. Fisher coming forward apprehensively at Clara's right.
2: What is it, Clara? Something about your father? Is that what you're crying for?
0: Why don't you tell her, Clara? Go to the foot of the stairs, Amy, and call Joe. Amy steps towards the foot of the stairs. Something's happened to your father, I know it. Clara moving a step or two towards her mother.
4: Now it's nothing to get upset about, Mom. He just took a little spell of some kind at his work this afternoon, and they had to take him to the hospital.
0: Amy comes forward eagerly and crosses to a point below the table.
4: Joe just came from there, and he says we'd better get our things on right away and go down there.
0: Mrs. Fisher sways a step forward letting the agateware plates slide from her hands to the floor. Amy steps towards her mother, lifting the chair from the right of the table and guiding her mother into it. Here, sit down, Mom. Mrs. Fisher is slightly dazed. What is it she's saying happened to your father, Amy? Amy passes back of the chair to her mother's right, and Clara comes to her left.
4: Now, it's nothing to get excited about, Mom. It might just be a little heart attack or something that he took.
0: She takes the towel from her mother's hand and hands it to Amy. Put this over there. Amy turns to the buffet.
2: There was never anything the matter with your father's heart, Clara. Well, it's
0: pretty hot in there
2: where he works, you know
0: that. Mrs. Fisher shakes her head up and down, knowingly.
4: And men at Pop's age are always taking little spells of some kind.
0: Mrs. Fisher with a long, heavy sigh i guess it's a stroke clara it might not be
4: mom you can't tell
2: that's how his two brothers went you know
4: amy you'd better go to the telephone next door and tell frank highland i won't
0: amy hurries across towards the hall door and clara follows her continuing her instructions
4: if he isn't home yet tell bertha to tell him to come right down to the samaritan hospital as soon as he comes and tell johnny harbison to go to the corner for a taxi
0: The front door closes after Amy, and Clara steps back to her mother's side. Is that where
2: your father is, Clara? The Samaritan Hospital? Yes, it's right down
4: there near where he works, at Broad, in Ontario.
2: Your poor father. I wonder what happened to him.
0: Clara reflects her mother's sentiment. Clara, picking up the plate.
4: Now there's no use looking on the dark side of it already, Mom
2: no but me getting his supper out there and him not coming home to it at all and maybe never coming home to it again clara for all we know
0: he'll be home again mom papa's a strong man she puts the plate on the buffet mrs fisher suddenly i guess he's
2: dead now and you're not telling me
4: clara coming to her mother's left he isn't dead mom i'd have told you if he was What did Joe say? Just what I told you, that he'd had a spell of some kind. Well, why didn't he tell me? What's he doing upstairs, anyway? He's changing his clothes. He's got to go right back down there again.
2: He's crying, I guess. You know it'll kill our poor Joe, Clara, if anything happens to your father. He says we'd better go right down there, too, Mom, so you'd better go
4: upstairs and fix yourself up a bit. Give me your apron.
0: Mrs. Fisher, rising and commencing to remove her apron. I don't know
2: whether I'll be able to dress myself now or not. My hands are like lead. You
4: don't need to get all dressed up, Mom. Just put on your black silk waist. That skirt's good enough.
0: She goes out towards the door at the right with the apron and goes out. Mrs. Fisher taking the comb from the back of her head and commencing to comb her hair.
2: Well, I'm not going down there looking like a dago woman.
0: Clara coming in quickly again.
2: Nobody'll see you in the dark.
0: She picks up the plate and towel from the buffet and straightens the runner. Mrs. Fisher moving aimlessly about in front of the mantelpiece.
2: It won't be dark in the hospital unless something happens to the lights.
0: Clara goes out again. Put
2: that gas out under them potatoes, Clara. I just lit it and you'd better pick up this room a bit while i'm upstairs you don't know who might be coming here if they hear about your
0: father she stops and looks helplessly about the room oh dear oh
2: dear oh dear
0: i don't know what i'm doing
2: clara comes in again take all them papers off that table clara and put them
0: in the kitchen clara crossing to the table and folding and gathering up the various papers
4: You'd better bring your umbrella down with you, Mom, when you go up. It looked like rain when I came in.
0: Oh, and I let our Amy take my rubbers
2: the last day she was here, and she never brings anything back.
0: Clara taking the papers out into the kitchen. You won't need rubbers.
2: Oh, I get all my feet wet when I don't have rubbers.
0: She is facing the hall door, fastening the old-fashioned brooch at her throat. Aubrey frames himself in the door, with a bandage around his head, and looking a bit battered. My
2: God, what happened to you now?
0: Aubrey, coming forward at the left, removing his hat.
1: It's beginning to rain.
0: He places his hat and cane on the table, and stands in front of the table, removing his gloves. Mrs. Fisher following him with her eyes.
2: Never mind the rain, the rain didn't do that to you.
0: She comes forward at his left. Clara comes in and stands over near the door at the right, looking at him.
2: I guess you ran into somebody, didn't you?
0: Aubrey with a shade of nonchalance.
1: Don't get excited, Mother. Just a little misunderstanding on the part of the traffic officer. You don't mean to tell me that you ran into a traffic officer? Clara comes forward at the right. Control now, little mother. I assure there is no occasion for undue solicitation. He turns and sees Clara. Good evening, Mrs. Highland. Hello, what happened to your head? You look like a bandit. The veriest trifle, Mrs. Highland. Just a little spray from the windshield. Where's the car you borrowed? Smashed, I guess, ain't it? The car I borrowed, Mother Fisher is now in the hands of the bandits of the law the judicial gentlemen who have entered into a conspiracy with the regulators of traffic to collect fines from motorists by ordering them to go one way and then swearing that they told them to go another never mind your fancy talk
2: we've heard too much of that already i want to know who you killed or what you did run into for i know you ran into something and where's the automobile that someone was fool enough to lend you
1: the automobile little mother is perfectly safe parked and pasturing in the courtyard of the twenty-second and hunting park avenue police station did you get arrested too i accompanied the officer as far as the station house yes and i told them a few things while i was there too about the condition of traffic in this city I guess they told you a few things, too,
2: didn't they? Beg pardon?
0: Mrs. Fisher starting abruptly for the hall door.
2: Never mind. You're welcome.
0: You'd better change your shoes, Mom. You can't go down there with those. Mrs. Fisher pointing toward the cellar door.
2: See if my long black coat's in the cellar way there?
0: Clara goes quickly to the cellar door, opens it, and looks for the coat.
2: That fellow's got me so upset, I don't know what I'm doing.
0: She goes out the hall door and to her left, up the stairs. Aubrey moves over to the chair at the right, where Mrs. Fisher collapsed, and sits down, quite ruffled in his dignity. Clara closes the cellar door, and with a glance toward the hall door, comes quickly forward at Aubrey's left. What did they do, find you, Aubrey?
1: They were all set to find me but when i got through with them they didn't have a leg to stand on so they tried to cover themselves up as gracefully as possible by trumping up a charge against me of driving an automobile without a license
4: what did they do take the automobile away from you
1: nothing of the sort they simply complied with the usual procedure in a case of this kind which is to release the defendant on bond pending the extent of the victim's injuries was there somebody injured well, the traffic cop that ran into me. Yes,
4: for God's sake, couldn't you find anybody but the traffic cop to run into?
1: I did not run into him, Mrs. Highland. You don't understand the circumstances of the case. Well, I understand this much about them that they can give you ten years for a thing
4: like that, and it'd just serve you right if they did too. Borrowing people's automobiles and knowing no more about running them than I do.
0: She turns away to her right and moves across the table toward the hall door
1: no time like the present to learn mrs highland
0: clara turning to him sharply
1: "Well, you'll very likely
4: have plenty of time from now on if that officer is seriously injured
0: she continues over and down to the window at the left where she draws the drape aside and looks anxiously down the street for the taxi
1: he was faking a broken arm round there when i left but it's a wonder to me the poor straw ride wasn't signed on the dotted line for he ran head-on right into me. Clara
0: crossing back towards him in front of the Morris chair. Was he in a car, too?
1: No, he was jaywalking, trying to beat me to the crossing after giving me the right of way. Where did this thing happen? Broad and Erie Avenue, I wouldn't kid you. Did they take the cop to the hospital? Yeah, we took him over there in the car. Did they let you run it? "'Repeat the question, Mrs. Highland?' "'You heard me. I don't need to
4: repeat it. "'Take that silly-looking bandage off your head before Amy sees you. "'Don't frighten the life out of
0: her.' She steps up to the hall door and glances out. "'She's got enough to worry her now without looking at you.' Aubrey rises and, detaching the handkerchief from around his head, moves across to a point above the center table. "'Is my wife here?'
4: She's next door telephoning, yes, and she'll be back in a minute coming forward a step or two at the left pop just had a stroke of some kind at his work this afternoon joe just told him what are you doing kidding me no of course i'm not kidding you why would i be kidding you about a thing like that for
0: she crosses down and across in front of the center table the front door closes where is he now they took him to the samaritan hospital we're just going down there amy appears in the hall door and stands looking questionably at aubrey what's the matter aubrey he turns and looks at her aubrey extending his arm and hand in a magnificent gesture well amy comes forward to her husband the old kid herself what is it aubrey aubrey taking her in his arms nothing in the world but this baby he kisses her affectionately did you get frank on the phone amy Mrs. Fisher can be heard hurrying
3: down the stairs. Amy crossing above Aubrey and speaking directly to Clara. He wasn't home yet. I told the girl to tell him as soon as he came in. Mrs. Fisher coming through the hall door and tossing her little knit
0: jacket onto the small stand at the left of the mantelpiece. Clara, is that automobile cab here yet? It'll be here in a minute, Mom. What do
2: you think of this fellow, Amy? Amy running wild through the city breaking policemen's bones we didn't have enough trouble without that with your poor fathers laying dead for all we know down in the jewish hospital
0: she starts to cry and steps down to the window at the left to look out for the taxicab
2: it's enough to make a body lightheaded where's your coat Mum?
0: mrs fisher turning to her isn't it there in the cellar way no i just looked mrs fisher going up
3: to the hall door
2: it must be upstairs joe
3: amy at aubrey's right i thought you were out at the automobile show aubrey
0: mrs fisher at the foot of the stairs listen joe
1: i had a little mix up at broad and erie avenue
0: you didn't get hurt did
2: you throw down my long black coat You'll find it on a hook there in the hall closet." She starts for the buffet.
1: "'Nothing but a scratch or two, here on my forehead, from the glass in the windshield. Just a little shake-up.'
0: Mrs. Fisher is stopping and turning sharply at the right of the center table.
2: "'He nearly killed a traffic officer. That's how much of a little shake-up it was.'
0: She continues to the buffet where Clara is standing. Get out of my way, Clara, till I get a clean
2: handkerchief out of here.
0: She pushes Clara out of her way and opens the left-hand drawer of the buffet and rummages for a handkerchief. Clara passes across in front of the center table to the window at the left. You didn't, Aubrey, did you?
1: Certainly not, Amy. Your mother's raving.
0: Mrs. Fisher finds the handkerchief, slams the drawer shut, and turns.
2: The man's in the hospital. I don't know what more you want.
0: The big black coat lands at the front of the stairs with a thud, causing Mrs. Fisher to start nervously. Then she hurries across at the back towards the hall door, tucking the folded handkerchief at her waist. Is he Aubrey?
1: Do you think I'd be
0: here, kid, if he was? Mrs. Fisher on the way over. You
2: wouldn't be here only that someone was fool enough to bail you out instead of letting you stay in where you couldn't be killing people
0: clara has stepped up to the foot of the stairs and picked the coat up immediately it fell and now stands holding it for her mother to put on but mrs fisher disregards her going straight out to the foot of the stairs and calling shrilly up to joe
2: Joe, why don't you tell a body when you're going to throw a thing down that way and not be frightening the life out of people?
0: She comes back into the room again, and Clara assists her. Amy stands above the center table looking wide-eyed at Aubrey, who sways forward at the left, and crossing below the center table to the chair at the right, where he has been previously seated, sits down. Aren't
2: you going to put on another waist, Mom? no this one is good enough i'll keep the coat buttoned up put that collar inside
0: amy in a lowered tone
3: are you out on bail Aubrey?
1: they always bail a man in a case like this amy they got my car on their hands mrs fisher
0: buttoning the coat and moving to the mirror over the mantelpiece
1: get my hat will
0: you clara clara starting for the hall door
2: where is it upstairs No, it's in the parlor there, inside the top of the
3: Victrola. Clara comes back and goes into the parlor. Why didn't you bring the car back with you, Aubrey? That fellow might want it tomorrow.
1: I'll have it for him, all right. I've got to call around there for it Monday morning at ten o'clock.
0: Mrs. Fisher turned sharply from her primping at the mirror.
1: I
2: guess you've got to go down there to a hearing Monday morning at ten o'clock.
0: Amy turns and looks at her mother.
2: And pay your fine.
0: Speaking directly to Amy.
2: I guess that's the automobile he's got to call for.
0: Clara hurries out of the parlor, brushing the dust off an old black hat, with a bunch of cherries on it. I'd better go out and get a whisk broom and dust this, Mom. Mrs. Fisher turning to her nervously. No, never mind.
2: It's good enough. Give it to me.
0: Clara crossing below her mother to the right. Your coat needs dusting. She takes a whisk broom from a hook just inside the kitchen door. How much did they fine you, Aubrey? They didn't fine me at all. Mrs. Fisher settling her hat.
1: They'll do that on Monday. Time will tell that, Mother Fisher.
0: Clara hurries back and starts brushing her mother's coat.
2: And you'll pay it too, or go to jail, and it'd just be the price of you.
1: They didn't seem very anxious to do any finding today, after I got through telling it to them. Am I all right, Clara? I took a slam at the Pennsylvania Railroad, too, while I was at it. You're always taking
2: slams at something. That's what's leaving you under bail right now.
0: Are you ready, Clara? She hurries to the foot of the stairs. Clara, hurrying back to the kitchen with the whisk broom. Yes, I'm ready.
1: Never mind about that, Mother Fisher.
0: Mrs. Fisher calling up the stairs. Are you going down there with us, Joe? Joe, from upstairs.
5: Coming right down.
0: Mrs. Fisher comes into the mantelpiece and picks up her gloves. Clara hurries in from the kitchen again to the center table and picks up her neckpiece and gloves.
1: Only don't be surprised if you hear of a very quiet little shake-up very soon in the Department of Public Safety. Are you warm enough with that coat, Clara? Yes, I'm all right. How about the umbrella?
2: I think it's out there in the hall rack. Look and see.
0: Clara hurries out into the hallway, and Mrs. Fisher stands, putting on her gloves. Amy crosses to Aubrey's left. Amy, very quietly. How much bail did they put you under, Aubrey?
1: One thousand berries, Amy.
0: Mrs. Fisher looks over at them keenly. A thousand dollars?
1: That's regulation.
0: Amy turns and gives her mother a troubled look, and Mrs. Fisher moves forward at the left to a point where she can see Aubrey.
1: A little chicken feed for the stool pigeons.
0: Did
2: he say
1: they put him under a thousand dollars bail? That's what I said, Mrs. Fisher. One thousand trifles. I wouldn't kid you. You wouldn't kid anybody
2: that'd listen to you for five minutes. And who did you get to go
1: a $1,000 bail for you? Don't be alarmed, little mother. I saw that the affair was kept strictly within the family. What do you mean? Your other son-in-law was kind enough to come forward.
0: Clara hurries in from the hallway with the umbrella and comes forward at the extreme left.
1: Clara's husband... That's the gentleman, Mrs. Fisher. Mr. Francis X. Highland. Mrs. Fisher helplessly.
0: My God. She turns around to her right till she locates Clara. Do you hear that, Clara? What?
2: He got Frank Highland to go his bail for a thousand dollars.
4: Clara looking bitterly at Aubrey. What did you do? Write him another letter?
1: that was not necessary mrs highland not giving you a short answer your husband was fortunate enough to see the whole affair from the trolley car he was just returning from his business and happened to be on the trolley car that ran into me
2: how many more things ran into you besides traffic cops and trolley cars i suppose a couple of the buildings ran into you too didn't they
0: joe hurries in from the hall door buttoning his overcoat
5: Are you ready, Mom?
0: Clara going up to the hall door. Yes, we're ready. Joe comes forward at the extreme left, looking questioningly from one to the other. Clara goes out into the hall.
1: You'll find out all about that Monday morning, Mrs. Fisher.
0: Mrs. Fisher moving up towards the hall door.
2: We'll see that nothing else runs into you between now and Monday.
5: What's the matter?
2: We don't want Frank Highland losing any $1,000 bills on account of you.
5: What's happened, Mom?
0: Mrs. Fisher turning to Joe and pointing at Aubrey with a wide gesture.
2: Why, this crazy jack here's been running into everything in the city but ourselves, and he got himself arrested, and Frank Highland had to bail him out for a $1,000.
5: She starts to cry. What were you doing, Aubrey, joyriding?
2: no he was trolley riding and traffic cop riding and every other kind of riding in an automobile that
0: he borrowed clara hurrying in from the hallway i think i see that taxi coming mom mrs fisher is starting towards the hall door come on here joe joe crosses up at the left of the center table to the mirror over the mantelpiece looking disapprovingly at aubrey "'Aubrey rises and strolls over to a point in front of the center table.
2: "'How do we get down there, Clara?' "'Right down Erie Avenue.
1: "'Too bad I left that car down there at the station house. "'I could have run you down there.'
0: "'They all turn and look at him, "'and Mrs. Fisher, with poison in her right eye, "'moves forward at the left of the center table "'with a level, ominous slowness. "'You wouldn't
2: run me down there, don't fret.' Not if you had a thousand cars. There's enough of us in the hospital as it is. Aubrey
0: simply regards her from a great height.
2: And don't you come down there neither, for you'd only start talking, and that'd finish Pop quicker than a stroke.
0: There's a startling hoot from the taxicab horn outside, which almost throws Mrs. Fisher from her balance. Clara, going out. Come on, Joe. Joe, following her out.
5: Ain't you coming down to the hospital, Amy?
0: Mrs. Fisher, going out. No,
2: you'd better stay here, Amy. There'd better be some one of us here, or that fellow will be running into something else. You ought to have something heavier on you than that fur, Clara.
0: Aubrey sits down at the left of the center table. Clara in the hallway. I'm all right. We'll be down there in a few minutes.
2: Have you got your coat buttoned up
4: good, Joe?
0: The front door closes after them. End of Act 2, Part 1